The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome back to another episode of Being Bumo. Before we go into our episode today, I want to share something that I wish I knew about when I gave birth, and that is CBR, Cord Blood Registry. Have you guys heard of it? It pretty much will give any parents peace of mind as they are raising their little ones and even as they get older. Pretty much what cord blood is, is a leftover blood in the umbilical cord after birth. Cord tissues is a cord itself and it both contains powerful stem cells that could be used. Look, the biggest fear for any parent is that something could happen to their child early on or in the future, right? The incredible thing about cord blood stem cells is that it can already help treat over 80 conditions like certain cancers and sickle cells anemia. Plus there's research in progress for even more potential uses. Core tissue stem cells are also showing a lot of promises in regenerative medicine. Over 200 clinical trials have been initiated worldwide to potentially help treat conditions that can occur over a lifetime like brain injuries, cardiovascular disease, and autoimmune disorders like lupus. Look, none of us want these things to happen to our kids, but let's face it, we live in uncertain times and it's always best to prepare. The thing is, parents only get one chance to collect these newborn stem cells, and that is at birth. It is such a simple process and only takes a few minutes for the OB or midwife to do, and it's completely painless. These cells are genetically unique. Baby is 100% matched to their own stem cells, and full siblings have a 75% chance of being at least a partial match. The stem cells get cryogenically frozen, and they can be used for decades to come. CBR is a number one OB recommended family bank, and they are also the number one choice of expectant parents. Over 1 million parents have stored with CBR and is the most experienced stem cell bank and the leader in the industry. Visit cordblood.com and use code BUMO, B-U-M-O, for 60% off CBR's newborn stem cell bundle, which includes both cord blood and cord tissue banking. Harness the possibilities and visit cordblood.com today. This is Being Bumo, a podcast for the modern parent that wants to be the best version of themselves while being the best parents they can be for their kids. We'll be spotlighting parents and experts who are not only inspiring, but also willing to share with us how it really is. Because as we all know, parenting can be equally as rewarding as it is challenging. We're here to make your life easier, a little less stressful, and help you navigate through this complex thing called parenting. Welcome back to another episode of Being Bumo. I am really excited about today's guest as she's a very close friend of mine and someone you guys are probably familiar with, Whitney Eve Port. Some of you may know her from her hit reality show, The Hill and The City. I was a huge fan, but ever since becoming a mom, she has evolved herself and her brand and her overall outlook on life. She is a CEO, fashion designer, creative consultant, digital influencer, and the list goes on. She has a multifaceted business. But what she prides herself in most is being a mom. Today, Whitney opens about her struggles with the motherhood from breastfeeding to her pregnancy to even the things that she struggles with today. She also vulnerably shares her two miscarriage stories and how she deals and handles grief. You will find that this conversation is just a breath of fresh air. She keeps it so real and authentic and super transparent. With that said, I hope that you guys enjoy our conversation. 
Whitney Eport, <laughs> I have missed you and I am so excited that we're doing this because uh, first of all, for those of you that don't know, Whitney is my dear friend and I feel like we are just overdue for a catch up. So thank totally. you for catching up with me today and just sharing about kind of all things parenting that you've gone through and sharing your wisdom. So, so excited to have you here. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here and so excited for this podcast. It is so needed in this space. Well, let's talk about your podcast first because (laughs) I love your podcast. I feel like you have just a wealth of knowledge and a lot of interesting guests which actually inspired me to start this podcast. So thank you. Oh my gosh, of course. Um, That's so nice because my podcast feels like one of the things that I'm the most insecure about. Like we were just talking about it before. I feel like it's this skill that I didn't really have before. And I just kind of threw myself into it and had to learn this new skill. So it's been empowering because it's cool that you were able to learn new things and start new careers like overnight, especially with podcasts since it's so easy to set up. But it's also, yeah, it can be intimidating to have these conversations with people that you feel like are so much smarter than you. And it's really another amazing way to connect with the people that follow you and respect your point of view. And so my podcast is a really, is a good mix of my own personal episodes. Um, Like I just recorded one the end of 2020 of like everything I learned this year. And we do some episodes where Timmy and I will rehash out fights that we've had (laughs) and, and talk about like how we overcame them. them. And I think that's been really helpful for people because fighting sometimes in couples is not really a thing that I feel like a lot of influencers touch on. Yeah. Cause I feel like if you talk about the fact that you fight with your significant other, like people like judge your relationship. So it's something that a lot of people stay quiet about. And I think sometimes even friends don't really talk to each other about their relationships. And so I thought on the podcast, like opening up about that would be helpful. Cause like everybody. I mean, I love that. I really love that, which also kind of is a testament to who you are and like the type of content that you put out because you've always been so real and vulnerable on your Instagram, on all of your platforms. But Mm -hmm. before we go into that, Mm -hmm. were you always like this? Because most people probably remember you also from your show um, Mm -hmm. back in the day. And I would imagine that was what, like a like a few, like a decade ago? Yeah, like 15 <laughs> years ago. I'm so old. <laughs> 15 years ago. I know we just aged ourselves. But <gasps> I mean, I lo- first of all, I love that you do those reaction videos with your husband. Yeah. yeah. So do you feel like, like pre-baby Whitney is different than who you are today? Yeah. I mean, for sure. I think getting pregnant, it was really the impetus to being able to share all of this stuff. I was on a reality show. And so you think that I would be an open book and you think that I would be really comfortable with sharing everything, but I really wasn't like for my first couple years on the Hills, I was really just Lauren's coworker in the teen Vogue closet. They never Mm. followed me outside of the closet, like in my personal life. And I really didn't want that. I really wanted to keep things very professional. And then when the city started, um, when the producer was like, oh, we're going to, we really want to follow you to New York. And 
follow this spinoff show. And I was like, wait, does that mean that I have to show more of my personal life? And they're like, mm. yeah, you're going to be the star of the show. And I was like, ooh, I don't really know if I want to do that. But honestly, I really wanted to highlight my clothing line that I was launching. And so I was kind of like, okay, I'll deal with the sacrifice in order to like have this TV right. show. And then anyways, to make a very long story short, like it wasn't until I got pregnant with Sunny that I started sharing all of this intimate stuff because I started to feel really like scary, negative feelings about being pregnant. Like I started to feel like I wasn't meant to be a mom and all these body changes were like so overwhelming for me. And this fear was just overtaking me. And Timmy who is a producer and always kind of thinking about how whatever is going on can be turned into a TV show <laughs> was like, you know, if you're feeling this way, there are probably a lot of women out there feeling this way too. And you should talk about it. And like, he immediately got our camera and set it up at the foot of my bed. And we started talking about all these emotions I was feeling about pregnancy. And I was really able to open up because it was my husband that was interviewing me. You know, there was no one else there. I didn't even know what we were going to do with it. There were no stakes. So I just like let it all out there. And we ended up cutting it together and putting it on YouTube and titling it, I love my baby, but I hate my pregnancy. And I was so nervous to put it out. Like before I put it out, I was like, people are going to think I'm a monster. People who can't get pregnant, people who are struggling with fertility issues. Like the fact that I'm even pregnant, people are going to be like, how could she even complain about one thing? And it ended up turning out to be the opposite. Like it turned out that there were, that the majority of women actually were kind of feeling the way that I was feeling, you know, very scared and nervous and, and didn't really want to talk about it out of fear that they were going to be shamed, you know? So that was really the impetus for me to start kind of sharing everything. And I also, you know, now with social media, you're allowed to have your own control over your narrative. And that's not to say that I'm like editing things and chopping up our story and making it out to be something that it's not. It's just like, I'm able to now really show what is actually going on with me. There's no editor that's like skewing what I'm saying. I, I'm not putting my life into someone else's hands. I'm really able to show exactly what's going on. And so we've continued to do that. And it's been the most rewarding part of my career has been being able to share this stuff and build this community of women that need to hear these things. Yeah, I love that series. I remember when you first... <laughs> put that out there. I was like, whoa, I did. I, and I think this was before I really got to know you and, you mm -hmm. know, you and I kind of bonded post baby. Mm -hmm. um, so when I saw that, I was like, wow, I really like her. Like we need to become <laughs> real good friends because you are just so real and you continue that series, not just with your pregnancy, but you mm -hmm. talk about breastfeeding mm -hmm. and how that was challenging mm -hmm. and you just opened up the doors and almost made it seem okay to feel this way mm -hmm. and um, validate what so many women are kind of scared to even talk about, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you continue that for a while. And I, I just love that, that series that you guys did. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, the breastfeeding portion of I Love My Baby Butt was probably the one that that people needed the most because as you know breastfeeding is such a 
isolating and extreme experience and people have such strong opinions about it. And also it's something that no one really knows anything about until they actually have to do it because you can't prepare for it. You You don't know, you don't know what kind of situation you're going to have. If your baby's going to latch, if you're even going to have milk, you know, there's, there's too much to even prepare for. So it was something that nobody knew how difficult it was. And I got messages from women that were like, you know, I'm watching this at three o'clock in the morning, like feeding my child in tears. But like the fact that you are doing the exact same thing makes me feel like, okay, to feel my feelings. And that whenever I feel like, oh my God, should I share this? I just constantly retell myself that this is helping other people feel okay with feeling their feelings. Hi, I'm Dr. Deepika Chopra. My passion, calling, and job is really all about blending together holistic practices with real evidence-based science to help people around the world cultivate more optimism, success, and resiliency. You won't want to miss this new podcast as you'll get to hear from elite athletes, recording artists, couples, and maybe even my toddler. So if you're into arming yourself with some new practical happiness tools, join me on Mondays for your morning optimism dose. Oh, and don't forget, things are looking up. Do you mind sharing a little bit about your breastfeeding journey? So my breastfeeding experience was really challenging and I pushed myself to do it for way too long. Like looking back on it now, I'm like, why did I do it for that long? But I ended up breastfeeding, only purely breastfeeding for like a week because my nipples were so on fire. It was so painful. And I got mastitis so quickly that I was like, I cannot, I can't do this. So I ended up exclusively pumping for six months, which if anybody has done that knows like how hard of a job that is to do. And then got mastitis two more times while I was pumping and still decided to push forward. And I was so stuck in, even though I knew everyone was like, fed is best. It doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter. It's like, I knew all these things. I knew that I had formula as an option. I just could not let myself off the hook. Like I just, it was this self-imposed pressure that I was continuing to put on myself. And I just want to be able to limit that for as many people as possible, because I know like we're our own sometimes worst enemies and we make ourselves do things that we wouldn't want anybody else to do or wish upon anybody else. But I think it's important in continuing to share these stories. Like even if it helps one person to like stop putting them through this, like I've told myself if I have a second child that I'll probably try to breastfeed, but if it does not go, if it is not easy for me and I feel like my time with the baby is being sacrificed and my happiness is being sacrificed, then I'm not going to do it again. Because I think that's so good. That's so healthy because, and I think people need to hear this. I think media has portrayed women that don't breastfeed almost like it's a sin, right? Yeah. And so, you know, I think it's, we all know the benefits of breast milk, right? 
But also, I think there are very little conversations about formula. Like, it's okay. I was formula fed. I my mom breastfed me for a few weeks, and yeah, I, I think I turned out okay. Yeah. I mean, I would, I, I would, I could would dream to have a daughter like you. You know, like now, whenever that happens, if I end up switching to formula, I'm, I'm gonna be like, it's okay. I could have the next Chriselle Lim on my hands here. I love that. But yeah, so. it's true. I mean. We all know what the health professionals say, like you said, like that it helps strengthen the baby's immune system. And we know all these things that are physically good for the baby, but that doesn't really take into account how physically and mentally bad it could be for the mom. Exactly. And so it's not like even playing field and you have to, what I learned and what my what Timmy helped me you know, to get to is that my happiness and my peace was actually really more important than, is more important than the baby getting the milk. Because if I'm not happy, that is going to have such a worse effect on the baby than the formula. So it's taken me some time to get to that place. And granted, I haven't had another go at it. So I don't know exactly what I'll do, but I do feel like I'm coming from a stronger place having been through it. Yeah. And it's always good to have these reflections hindsight, right? Because when you're in it, you're not, and especially as a new mom, you're not thinking straight. Your hormones Mm -hmm. are crazy. You're tired. So you're just kind of going with the flow, but it's really important to have these kind of moments of reflection of like, Mm -hmm. oh, if I were to do it again, I would do it this way. Mm -hmm. And I have to say the same thing, you know, with my first, with Chloe, I... I was so stubborn because I was like, I have to do it right. You know, Mm -hmm. everyone says that breast is best. So I'm going to continue to do this. I did it for about a year and I was miserable. Like I, I just, (sighs) I just couldn't come to myself. And I remember just being kind of depressed about it. Yeah. Um, And then with Colette, I did it for three months. And then I was like, I think I'm done with it. And I did 50, 50 with formula and breast milk. And I only did that for six months. And then after six months, just fully formula. Yeah. So you just have to figure out what works for you. And if, if what works for you doesn't work for someone else, that's totally fine. As long as mom is happy and mom feels good about it, that's all that matters. Yeah, I, I agree. I do think it's also up to like hospitals and medical professionals to normalize the formula a little bit more too, because it's just hard when you're in the hospital afterwards and you have nurses that are like pushing the baby on your breast and want you to continually breastfeed and don't even really offer formula as an option. So Mm. you're like, if the hospital is urging me to do this, if my doctor is, if the nurses are, then like, this is what I should be doing. And so I think it's important to think about, just to think about that. Think about the fact that you actually really do have a choice. This isn't something that just because you're, you're biologically able to do it, that you should do. And also people like you, right? Like influencers and celebrities that are feeding their baby formula, normalizing Should talk about it. Should talk about it because we're the people that people are looking in their feeds and be like, oh, she's doing this. So it should be okay. Or she's not doing this. I probably should try the other way. So that's why I applaud you for just coming out with this and talking about it and, you know, want to encourage any other, you know, influencers that are currently going through this to talk about it because it takes a village for us to make a difference, right? 100%. Um, 100%. Yeah. 
So was there one thing that you opened up that you felt so many people were able to relate to during that series? Um, Was it like breastfeeding? Was it something in specific where women were like, oh my God, I'm going through, through this as well. Thank you so much for talking about it. Yeah. I would say the two largest topics, well, they're, they're kind of like three big ones, like breastfeeding for sure was something that I, I would say that's the most, the biggest issue that women have issues with. The other one, I've had two miscarriages now and I opened up a lot about the first one and a little bit about the second one, but that is something that I think people like, you don't realize until you've had one, how many people have actually had one or two or three or more who have had fertility issues. And it's crazy that like, it's just one of those things that people just kind of go through and then it's over and you don't even know. And, but there's so much grief that goes along with it. So that was, that's another conversation that I think people need to hear more about and that I'm trying to continue to unveil. And then another one would probably just be sleep like sleep and food, which is kind of like last just because it's not as dire, but you know, sleep and, and, and feeding are, those are like the two things that as parents you have control over that are really difficult to manage. Um, so yeah, those things. You touch a little bit upon your miscarriage and I would love to talk about that if you're open to it. Um, you know, I personally went through two miscarriages as well, so I could really understand what you recently went through. Um, Mm -hmm. So you said that you miscarried the first time. And I remember Mm -hmm. reading in a post, you're like, you weren't sure about it. But the second time you were, it really hit home for you. Yeah. So can you kind of talk about that experience? For sure. So, so Sunny, I got pregnant super fast, super easy. Everything was Though I did not love being pregnant, it was a very ideal pregnancy and everything was easy. And then two years later, I had, I got pregnant and at eight weeks, I I miscarried, but I was not, like you were saying, I was just not connected to the pregnancy. I just didn't even know if I was fully ready for the second yet, even though you don't, you're probably never really fully ready. You can right. attest to that, but I was not connected to it. So I felt really numb when it happened. It was like, and and I even felt guilty about that because I was like, oh my God, I should be so much more upset about this. Like, why am I not uh, grieving? Why am I not depressed? Like, why am I sort of relieved that this, Mm. you know, is happening? And And so I talked about those complicated emotions and again, was really scared to put that out there because Mm. it's a very weird thing to say that like, you're not upset after you have a miscarriage, you know, it makes you feel like a little bit monsterish in a way, but like I, I've, I, I have to be honest. Like I can't, I had to be honest about how I was feeling and I felt like I'm not a crazy person. I can't be crazy. Like other people have to feel this way. So I, I, I talked about it and there again, it was like, oh my God, there were so many stories of people feeling the same way Mm. and this huge weight lifted off my shoulders. And so it's not only like, it's so amazing to have this relationship where I can open up and get the support from others that I need and that I don't know what I'm trying to say, but it's like just, they it's, could, they, they, they could be you. there for me. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like they're my own sounding board and like this whole pool of, of friends and emotional support. So then 
A couple months ago, I miscarried again. And this time around, it was much different because I was actually really connected to the pregnancy. I was like really excited about it. I felt just in a different place in my life, like more ready for it um, and wanted to go on the journey and was feeling really good physically too. I think that helps. Like I wasn't having the morning sickness um, Mm. that I was having before. So I was really enjoying, I was like, oh, I feel great. This is wonderful. And then obviously everything went downhill from there and I was beyond upset. It brought me back to feelings of grief that I felt when I lost my dad um, seven years ago. It just made me, I, I, I was so depressed. I couldn't even really get out of bed or do anything that I was supposed to do. It felt like, why is this happening to me? Like, what, was there anything that I did wrong? Like, is there anything wrong with my body? Like now that, now that this has happened twice, you know, I think that sometimes one of the first things that we think about when this stuff happens to us, especially as women and being such harsh critics on ourselves, like, was there something I could have done differently to make this not happen? And then you realize, no, like, this is not something that you have any control over and you need to immediately release that part. And then basically I I got a DNC and they did like an autopsy and um, they, the doctor said that it was a chromosomal issue. So the baby was not going to be a healthy baby. And I felt like in that way, I had a little bit of closure, you know, mm. that it just wasn't meant to be at this time. Yeah. And just time, like time heals. Like I feel, I I don't feel, I don't think you're ever fully healed after a loss, you know? I think that these these losses make you into a stronger person. I don't wish them upon anybody, but they do give you a lot of good perspective and they give you a lot of time to appreciate the things that you have. But my biggest issue right now with it is more the fear of, is this going to happen again? Mm. Like, do I even want to, try again, put myself out there, be vulnerable and like take this risk and have anxiety the whole time that something's going to happen. Like, why would I sign up for that? And then I'm like, you sign up for that because you want to have the child and like nothing worth having comes without some hardship or sacrifices, you know? So that's where I'm at. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I know it's not has been an easy journey for you in the past few months. And I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. But, you know, I always say, and, you know, I'm not a professional, but myself going through it is you will get the perfect baby at the perfect time. Mm-hmm. And we don't know what that is. We don't know when that is, you know? And so I'm like, it's like bringing me tears. It's like, if it wasn't my second Colette, like not saying that I would love the other two babies that I could have had any Mm -hmm. less, but you know, I have the perfect baby now, right? Right. Like you can't imagine your life without her and you wouldn't have her if you had those other babies. It's the same thing. My mom tells me like my mom had a miscarriage right before me. Mm. And she's like, Whitney, if I didn't have the miscarriage, like I wouldn't have you. I wouldn't have Paige. I wouldn't have Jade. Like I wouldn't. So yes, in the moment I was like, I want this baby, you know, like this baby was supposed to be my baby, but then you get a little bit of space from it and you realize what you you were saying that you will get the baby you are meant to have. Yeah, 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 absolutely. 
And how do you, you know, because parenting comes with grief naturally, no matter what you go through or Mm -hmm. what your kid turns out to be, or, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're trying to conceive, parenting naturally comes with many different emotions and grief and situations really. Mm -hmm. So how, Mm -hmm. how do you handle grief? Is there a certain... I hate using the word tactic, but strategy that you do, whether it's like disconnecting or Mm -hmm. is there something that you do that helps you kind of go through these emotions? Yeah. I haven't fully figured out what is like the key to getting me through my grief yet. Like I'm still figuring out what I need to do in order to really feel my grief and then not feel guilty about it or, um, but I do think that taking some space from other people's opinions definitely helps. Like whenever I'm feeling a little bit low, a little bit down, like I try to get off my phone because it's so hard being an influencer. You have like this love hate relationship and you also depend on it as your job. And it is so helpful to so many people, but it also can really like lock you into this little world where nothing else exists and it's not the healthiest thing. And so I think, yeah, sometimes when I'm feeling my lowest, I try to take some space from my phone, not feel this need to share everything because it is okay to keep some things sacred. And I let myself just like feel my feelings. I'm like, Timmy, you, you need to take care of Sunny right now. Like I have this sudden urge to, you know, whether it is to grieve or this, this, I'm not feeling myself. Like I, I have to take some time for myself or else it is going to keep on building and building. And I know that can sound cliche. And during 2020, everyone's talking about like making time for yourself. Cause if you don't have time for yourself, then like everyone else suffers obviously, but it's, it's cliche because it it's true, mm-hmm. you know? Like for me today, I was going to shoot this whole thing, this uh, video that I need to get done this week. And I was like, you know what? I, I don't think I can do it today. Like I have to get out of the house. I don't think my mind is in the right place mm. for this because... I was on this virtual funeral and I'm sure so many people are dealing with this right now with grief, with the amount of people that are dying right now. Grief is like everywhere, but you have to put yourself and your emotional needs first. And so I like, I canceled my podcast with you, which I felt horrible about, but I was like, if anyone will understand it's you. And I, like canceled my shoot for later. Cause I was like, I have to get outside. I have to do something for myself where I'm not just responding to other people. I'm actually just responding to myself and my own needs. And I think it's important to do those things. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I love how you put it as like, you know, we become such responders, right? Like yeah. answering to people's needs as parents. And I'm sure a lot of parents can attest to this. It's like, mommy, can you do this? Can you do this? Can you do that? And you're just like, yes, 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 yes. And then, you know, if you just stay quiet for a minute and you listen to yourself and what your needs are. And like yesterday, for instance, I just haven't worked out in a long time because, you know, I, I just like, I don't know. Like I haven't been in the right space for me to like get in, get a good workout in. Yeah. But yesterday I was just like, I have like three hours to myself, which rarely happens in the morning. And then I even got on my Peloton bike. Right. And I was like, okay, I could either, I could just do like a 15 minute class. But then I was like, wait, 
no, I deserve, I deserve to do an hour long class. And I felt guilty about it. Isn't that weird? And (laughs) I was like, why do I feel guilty being able to finally work out when I actually have the time? So I I did it. I know. What is wrong with us though? Because we, it's because you and I are like constantly preaching this and we know it's true. But then when it comes to ourselves, we're not really able to like talk ourselves off that ledge. I do the same thing. Like I was thinking today, uh, yesterday, I had some free time as well. And I ended up, I, w- I, th- I thought about all these different things that I could do. And then I ended up just sitting at my computer because I feel like I, I wasn't allowing myself the time because mm. I felt too bad about it. But it's like, who is that serving? Like, exactly. exactly. No one. No one. Yeah. So, I mean, to any parents that are listening to this, take this as your sign because I mean, we're not perfect. We go through it every mm-hmm. single day. We feel the mm-hmm. guilt too, even though it's like, we know that it's it's really hard to control that, but yeah. just allowing yourself and after being able to allow myself to do something that I wanted to do for once and did it, I was like, I'm such in a good place right now. I should be yeah. doing this at least like two to three times a week. So yeah. And then like you go back to your family and you're able to have patience and you're in an upbeat mindset and you like feel like teaching something to your kids and you feel like cooking a meal because you've had this time for yourself. Whereas if you didn't like you then show up to your family, half-ass. And isn't that, that's so much worse. That's the worst option, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And for myself and my husband, Alan, we've been fighting more this year than ever. I mean, I'm sure a lot of couples can relate to that because you're just stuck at home and- On top of each other. (laughs) On top of each other. (laughs) Yeah. And you talked in the beginning about having an episode, which I haven't listened to yet. I'm going to have to go back to it about tactics and ways that you and your partner actually overcome situations and problems and fighting. And that's normal, right? So is there anything that you could share that you've learned with your partner as far as how you guys kind of get through? And you guys also work together too. Yeah, exactly. Um, Well, we, there's so many things. I mean, I think the, the biggest advice I can give to parents right now and during this time is that patience is obviously running so, so, so thin, right? And I think as long as you're aware of that and you guys can like brush things off easily and be like, either I'm not going to take this personally or I didn't mean this personally and let's just like move on with our day. I think it's really like being able to get over all the little minutia, all the little things that bug you and really choose your battles more than ever. I think that's super important right now because like... not focusing on those. And I think it's, it's just taking also a step back and trying to not take things, even though what's happening in the world is so serious, try not to take things within your household. So serious, if that makes sense, like try to be more light about everything. Like Timmy would probably disagree, but sometimes I'm like a little bit more lenient about the schedule because 
I'm like, I'm not going to stress over the nap schedule. Like there's other things to stress about. And so we've had to kind of like be okay with our approaches, Mm. um, with our different approaches to things and like appreciate our differences in parenting as opposed to like rip each other apart for them. And then also it's super important to have these kinds of conversations and whether it's bickering or fighting or whatever it is, like not in front of your child, like as much as possible. Um, I think they just pick up on that negativity and you you don't want to completely shelter your, your children, you know, like they need to know what confrontation looks like and how to stand up for yourself. But I think it's important during this time when you're all in the same house together, nonstop to really try to be aware of like how you're talking to each other Mm. and, um, yeah, especially in front of your children. Yeah. I mean, children have anxiety as well. And I, we've talked to a few like, uh, children therapists on this podcast and they just talk about kind of like it's a really stressful time for kids as well so we have Mm -hmm. to be cautious and mindful of that so our time is kind of running out here but um one last question I have actually second to last question I have yeah it's okay do you ever find yourself comparing yourself to other people parents moms anything peers yeah Every day, multiple times a day. I feel like we all do this subconsciously. Yeah. Like you don't even realize that you're doing it. But like, for instance, I, and, and you have to be mindful and present. I think that's the most important thing is realize when you're doing it and then stop yourself from doing it. Like I follow Rosie Huntington yeah. Whiteley on Instagram. Yeah. She had a whole post of all these looks. Oh yeah. And, and she was saying that she's not going anywhere, but all her looks were like perfectly styled together and she looked amazing. And I was like, and I know that's so superficial and shallow. That's like a shallow thing to be comparing to, but it's those little things that I think like rip apart your self-confidence mm, right. when you're like, oh, she has a kid too, but she's able to pull herself together like that every single day. But like, you don't know how, like, did she just take all those pictures back to back in 10 minutes, right. you know? And then, or like, you don't know everything that goes on behind closed doors as to how everybody is portrayed or life. So it's like not worth your time to compare yourself to other people. Yeah. You, know? you just have to mentally check yourself. I mean, yes. I do this all the time too, yes. right? And yes. then as long as you catch yourself, you're, you're fine. I feel like because I agree. you just have to be cautious of it. And then tell yourself like, we're two totally different people living in totally different places. I mean, you don't even have to justify. You just say we're two totally different people. Like, why are you doing this? This is yeah. not serving you, you yeah, know? Absolutely. Because it doesn't matter. Yeah. It, yeah, that doesn't matter. So if there's one advice that you could give to all moms, I know it's kind of a general question, but with like kind of all the things that you've gone through recently, what would that one advice be? I think it's it's something that I continually tell myself when I'm in like a low moment is just that everything is really a phase. And I remember at the beginning, someone telling me that and me thinking like, like not really understanding what that meant because I hadn't had a kid yet. You don't, you, you don't realize all the different phases that you're going to go through and how quickly they happen. And so I think it's important whenever you're in a rut or feeling something challenging to tell yourself that this is only a phase 
and that it will end soon. You're not going to be tired forever. You're not going to be breastfeeding forever. Your kids are going to be in school one day, you know? (laughs) So like, you just have to constantly remind yourself that. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Whitney. I know that you're so busy. Oh, where can people find you um, if they want to learn more about you? People can find me on Instagram at Whitney Eve Port. Whitneyport.com is my website. My podcast is with Wit and they can just look me up on YouTube. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Whitney. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. If you liked it, please take a second to rate, review, and subscribe. It really is the best way to support the show. Also, if you want to see more of us, head over to our Instagram and follow us there at Bumo Parent. And to learn more about Bumo Brain Virtual School, follow us at Bumo Brain or head over to BumoBrain.com. Thank you guys so much for listening and I'll see you guys next week.